All right, we're back at the Altaria Insurance Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about landlord insurance. What is it? How does it work? How can I add value to the way you look at it today? Let's go. Thanks again for uh, listening in on on the uh, the insurance people podcast. We're going to talk about insurance because it's lovely, sexy, as we said before. It's the best thing on earth, really. You know what I mean? So we're going to talk about landlord insurance today. Like I said, what is it? How can we help you understand it? Most of us, when we think about landlord insurance, we think about some uh, senior, you know, wealthy person who lives overseas and and rents out a bunch of uh, maybe condo units or homes or something like that. Or maybe we think of a company that owns uh, some towers and rents out units, etc. That's not always the case. I mean, I'm sure that is the majority of the case. But I want to kind of shift your mindset because sometimes it's not that complicated. In fact, if you're an individual who owns a secondary property, whether that be a townhome, a condo, even another home, um, and you rent it out, guess what? You're a landlord now. That's how it works. If you have something that you're renting out or you're leasing out, you are now a landlord. So let's talk about what you need to be thinking about when you're insuring that secondary property. So landlord insurance, generally speaking, they have a little bit of a tougher time uh, insuring their properties as opposed to primary residences, because when it's your primary, you live there, you have all your stuff there, your family's there, etc. So you're, you're very much in control of what's happening on a day-to-day basis. Insurance companies look at rented dwellings or rented condos as far more riskier because for the simple fact that you're just not in control of that structure. Someone else is. Someone else is there all the time and you are not. So generally speaking, it limits the amount of insurers you can actually go to get get that rental policy completed and, and submitted for you. That being said, there's things you can do and things that you should understand going into it. So first of all, let's talk about the general structure of it. So there's two ways you can insure it. You can insure it as a standalone rental or you can insure it as an attachment to another policy you have. So you can insure it uh, like as a secondary property in your homeowner's policy. If you're a business and you've decided to put that secondary property under your business or your holding company, that's a whole other gamut. That that'll uh, has to be structured differently. Let's get into that in a minute. Let's pretend you did a standalone rental policy. What does that mean? Well, there's really little change in the sense of coverage offering. However, there's some additions and some exclusions. So an exclusion, for example, would be uh, belongings, contents, furnishings. Those can't be included because you don't live there. So to ensure your contents there, that doesn't make any sense. And if you kept your stuff there, it would be far too risky for the insurer to consider. So contents essentially is eliminated. That's actually the renter's job to have their own policy in place to make sure that liability and their items are insured. One of the things you can add is rental income coverage on that property that you're renting out. Let's say for some reason there's an insurable loss, there's a fire, flood, what have you. It's now uninhabitable. They have to leave the tenants and and live somewhere else until everything is fixed up. Well, in that scenario, you can actually claim lost revenues while those people are gone. So that's a really great coverage you can include. And generally speaking, Depending on how you've structured it, if you attach it to your primary residence, you're going to get a much fuller, more comprehensive policy for that rental unit. If you do it on a standalone basis, again, it's a little bit more riskier for the insurance company, so you're not going to get 
the same coverage as you would if you had attached it. So let's go back to what I was saying before about putting it under a company name. So a lot of people do this uh, for tax reasons. I'm not going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about on that sense. You should talk to your accountant about how to structure these things. But if you do put it under a holding company or a corporation, there's going to be things that the insurers want to see. They're going to want to see your liability you know, policy for that company. So even if it's a holding company and you don't do anything, it's it's literally just uh, a number company you set up because you want to put this uh, this rental property underneath that hold co. The way the insurer looks at it is they say, well, if you're attaching property to this corporation, this corporation could be doing other activities, which totally exposes us to other risk forms other than this condominium or this home. So therefore, we're not going to insure it. So in a lot of different circumstances, you have to get a general liability policy for the company before you can attach the property to that company. Because you could be doing, as I said, other activities with that company. Whether you are or not, uh, it's just the way that the insurance companies decide to structure it. So how does it work? If you have a secondary property, you're considered a landlord. Even if you put it underneath a holding company or something like that, you still need to have it structured properly. There's some coverages unique to rental policies, like I said, such as rental income loss and some exclusions such as contents. There's a whole whack of stuff you can do as a landlord uh, to make it, uh, you know, easier in the future as you continue to add properties um, and or delete them and you should definitely talk to your trusted broker to make this happen this is the altair insurance podcast and that is the essentials of landlord insurance (laughs) 